0: Welcome to an original series, the podcast celebrating our favorite TV shows behind the paywall. I'm Patch, one of your co hosts, and with me celebrating the world of long form storytelling is my friend and undead co host, Adam. (laughs) <laughs> hey man, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm alive, which is more than I can say for some of the characters in our latest episode of What
1: If. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, they're not dead or alive, are they?
0: I, I think I think undead is the correct yeah correct terminology. I think that's used quite frequently in shows like The Walking Dead or other kind of zombie related shows. But uh, if you don't know already, if you're listening to this podcast, obviously we're covering the first season of what if marvel's uh, animated take on the popular comic book series that we both love growing up and we're in episode 5 which is what if zombies question mark exclamation point so that's the <laughs> yeah. official i think that's the official title and it is uh, yeah we are dealing with zombies i think that's safe to say <laughs> i did not know what to expect going into this adam but i did want to ask you a question to kind of open up our conversation Do you like zombie stories? Are
1: these things that kind of wet your whistle? Are you into these at all? (laughs) Sometimes. I'm not a huge horror fan in general, but I sometimes enjoy a good zombie film or show. I, I enjoyed the first, I think, five or six seasons of The Walking Dead, and then I just kind of got bored with it. The show wasn't doing anything wrong. I just kind of had enough of it, and I was ready to try something else with my time. But I do like sort of humorous or satirical takes on zombie stories. I don't know, films like Zombieland and Shaun of the Dead. I think I enjoy when there's a sort of comical aspect or element. And I think this episode of What If sort of does that as well. It brings, yes, there's some horrific elements and deaths in this episode, but it also brings some really great laughs as well and, it, and it, a sort of a lighthearted tone to it and I think that's what I appreciated but I wasn't honestly sure if I would like this episode going in I kind of saw the title I was like oh they they're blending zombies with because zombies are always you know they're popular right now so are they just merging zombie stories with Marvel just to you know just to get eyeballs on it and I didn't know if I was gonna get into it I didn't know if I was gonna really care but uh, again this series has surprised me in how they execute on these concepts that I don't necessarily on paper think sound interesting, but then when I get invested in the characters and the story, I'm totally on board.
0: I I feel the same way about all of that. I I didn't watch The Walking Dead when it was on. If it's still on, I can't really tell at this point. I did read the first two or three trade paperbacks, and I really enjoyed those. I think Kirkman is a fantastic writer, storyteller, and I knew that The Walking Dead television series obviously has been Marked as one of the one of the great TV series, but I just I'm I'm not into zombie stories in general. But I am like you, it, and there, if there's an interesting take on the undead, if it's a comedic thing, I'm not scared of zombies. I never have been. Like that's not the kind of horror that really freaks me out. Paranormal type stuff or like it, those types of stories just kind <laughs> yeah. of creep me out. But zombies don't. I mean, if I had an undead guy behind me, I'd probably be like, you know, pop him in the face. Use my like back fist from Taekwondo and I'd be okay. But I had the same kind of reservations going into an episode like this. And like you, I was really pleasantly surprised to a point where I consider this at this point, probably the most hilariously entertaining story of the What If series. And I think part of it is that they've taken such a deviation from the MCU. They've gone further than just kind of hinting at or retelling stories that we're familiar with. And they've sort of just taken little pockets and they said, okay, let's use this and let's tell this story. But at the same time, the story itself is believable in the MCU. Like the reason for this zombie apocalypse that's happening is very much something that you could read in a comic book inside the Marvel world of the 616 or any other universe, or it could be something that plays out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a way that doesn't feel like The Walking Dead. It also has the comedy element, which I think adds to my entertainment, the fact that you have a lot of -of matter-of-fact stuff going on here with some of the dialogue. It really makes for an easily digestible story with just a hint of a little bit of heart. I was surprised in 30 minutes to get a couple of emotional moments with a couple of the characters that we'll get into it did remind me a little bit of a movie that my buddy Aaron turned me on to. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a Japanese movie that got a ton of awards called One Cut of the Dead. Have you heard of it? No, I have not. Okay. I will not say anything else about it. Okay. And I don't I will encourage you to rent it. I can't figure out I think it's on Shutter, but you know, you probably don't have a, a subscription to that and I don't either. But um, I bought the the steel book, because I loved it so much. If you can find it and rent it, please do. But don't read anything about it. Just experience it. Because it's kind of lightning in a bottle with what it actually does. As someone who shares some of my interests in terms of like, well, if I start saying stuff, it'll kind of give things away. So it's like an hour and a half out of your life. If you get a chance to, as you're, you know, recovering from a physical therapy session, and you feel like, you know what, I need something to kind of get my mind off of things. This is one that's really good. It's not too hard to follow. It's really straightforward. The first half feels some, like something like, really, this is what people are clamoring about? And then you kind of realize, oh, this is what's going on. So that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. One cut yeah, from no. the dead.
1: I'm going to add it to my list. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely worth
1: watching. And I say that because it's it's a zombie movie, in a sense. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I'll look it up. I There's a site... Um, I JustWatch.com, which you can usually find almost anywhere anything is either streaming or available to purchase right. digitally. And if it's not available on uh, there, then I—that's when I go to physical media, like you, and uh, right. see see where <laughs> I can buy it. Uh, which is, <laughs> you know, not a bad, especially if it if something comes highly recommended. So much of what I see these days, especially on streaming platforms underwhelms me that I am more than happy to invest in a movie that get, comes highly recommended and, and just take a, a shot with it. So uh, I will definitely yeah. check it out.
0: Good deal. Well, we're not talking about that movie. We're talking no, about this but... episode. So let's get back, back, to, back to our regularly scheduled zombie programming, if you will. And <laughs> uh, this, you know, this episode was not without its great cast. I think yeah. this one had probably one of the most voiced cast from the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I remember. And there were tons of characters in here. You had some that were voiced, some that weren't. You had the entire Avengers crew, some of which you could hear hear voices like they're schizophrenic. (laughs) Some of which were (laughs) voiced, some, but most weren't. But it was packed with characters that you just watch on screen. And it starts with Hulk coming in from... Help me understand this. Was he coming in from a planet? I think he was going to warn the world about... Thanos I think that's kind of the premise yeah that... yeah
1: it's taken directly from the beginning if you remember the very beginning of Avengers Infinity War Thor and Hulk are on a spaceship that's carrying the kind of refugees from Asgard after it was destroyed in Thor, Ragnarok. Ragnarok so yeah, okay. Thanos uh, that's where Thanos attacks the ship he extracts the space stone from the Tesseract he kills Loki if you remember and then Hulk gets like shot back to Earth via the Bifrost, and that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing him kind of being transported back to Earth. Uh, And, of course, in Avengers Infinity War, he, in the movie, he first encounters, I think, Doctor Strange because he crashes into his sanctum and uh, and then he also i believe attempts to fight those three uh enforcers i guess of thanos's team that are not show up on earth but yeah so that's where things to obviously take a turn right <laughs> so that's kind of where this is taking place within the mcu continuity as we're seeing basically an alternate version of what essentially transpires time-wise, starting with the very beginning of Avengers Infinity War, and we'll get to kind of where it ends within the MCU. <laughs> but that's, yeah. the, that's the turning point. Up until that gotcha. point, I guess everything else happened exactly as we remember in all of the films and shows. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so that,
0: yeah, that gives me some clarity. And I think maybe there's some kind of mental block because I wasn't as huge of a fan of Thor Ragnarok as a lot of people Which you can hear about on Feel and Film. We don't, you know, anyway. (laughs) Sorry, a little shameless plug there. I like that this story is somewhat Hulk-centric at the very beginning. Because, as you know, I like Hulk and I like seeing him do his thing. I love the conflict between Bruce and Hulk and how Hulk does not want to Hulk out. Like, he's on sabbatical, as he says at one point in the episode. I also liked at the beginning of this... The reveal of the zombies. So you got Iron Man's arm coming through the uh, the, the warp field or whatever it's called. The circle. I, I don't know what it's called, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and you think if you didn't know that there were zombies, you thought here is where the fun's going to happen, and then <laughs> Bruce's reaction to it is so great. He's like, as they're eating these these bodyguard people, he's like.
1: Wait, what are you guys? That's.
0: That sort of seems like overkill. It is overkill, but it's a slow burn into helping us kind of get into the world of, okay, so the Avengers are zombies now. Then we have the Watcher that comes in, which I think is, I don't believe it's happened before. We get to see the Watcher actually speak. So we hear we hear the voiceover a lot and we see him, we spot him a couple of times in each episode. But this is the first time we see this animated version of the Watcher yeah. actually telling us what happened. And that this was two weeks ago, and it had to do with Hank Pym and this disease. And it's just incorporating it, it, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah, it was a really cool opening to kind of get us right into the thick of what's going on.
1: Yeah. And I have to say, I noticed that as well about The Watcher. And like you said, up until now, I think we've only just heard his voice played by Jeffrey Wright, and seen various images of him kind of floating or or in the background. But Yeah, it was. I have to say, it was a little weird seeing his lips move. (laughs) I just wasn't expecting that. But, you know, it's kind of like he's supposed to be this evolved being so he doesn't need to speak he can just use his his mind so anyway i don't know that was a bit of a a strange choice on their part to have the watcher speak into camera like that i I don't know if it was necessary i don't know if that will continue but it's a very minor thing but overall i agree i think that this kicks off really strong and i kind of like how we get into the middle of this fight right out of the gate but then the watcher kind of takes us back a few weeks to tell us how we got here how this new reality has formed and taken shape, and I thought that was great. Like you said, it makes perfect sense in terms of the MCU and the characters and the explanation of how it happens. It kind of just works. They found a really interesting way to make you believe that the world could become overtaken by zombies and I love how they actually implied that it was the Avengers themselves that go into battle against a swarm of zombies and when they get almost immediately overtaken by them and infected and turned themselves that that's when it really went south because now you have the earth's mightiest heroes in zombie form apparently with all of their powers and and abilities still intact including I might add their ability to use their weapons and And everything, which based on everything I've seen in zombie shows and movies, I always thought they were kind of like mindless automatons. They didn't really have the ability to like operate a bow and arrow or in the case of, you know, some of these heroes, they're using like their armor and, and other tools that they have as if they would or could use them in their normal non-zombie versions of themselves. So, again, you have to get past maybe that little element unless there's some explanation that the writers had. Like, oh, yeah, they it's all ingrained in there, just like eating, like they know how to use their weapons and tools and abilities. But, yeah, that's the only thing I feel like that was a little bit less than uh, believable is that those abilities would carry over and that they would be able to use them just as well and fight just as well as if they were (laughs) non-zombies.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest character trait of this disease, besides making their faces look zombified and undead, you know, they didn't die. That's the thing. That's what we notice in the episode is that they're not undead. It's not like they died and came back because zombies are people that have died who have come back to life this version or what this disease apparently is telling us is that it turns them into something else. Like it's this, some kind of virus that turns them. So for them to be able to use their faculties, their weapons to be sort of cognizant of that, but not be able to speak to me, that's kind of how I read it. It's not that they were all killed and they came back because somehow some magical thing made them come back to life. No, I mean, anytime we saw someone get killed that we knew or that we didn't, they were dead. They didn't come back. And so I think in some ways we use the word zombie one because it's in the title, but I think it's more about, they were possessed or they were transformed or mutated. I think mute, mutated is probably the best way to describe them. Yeah. But you know, zombies is a lot more fun, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. People know what a zombie is. So they're like, yeah. And I believe that even in this um, in this world, the normal rules apply <laughs> to killing a zombie. And actually, that's one of my favorite sequences is early on when Peter Parker is introduced and we get to see his orientation video of yes. uh, you know how to survive. I think it's called. So you want to survive the zombie apocalypse, and it, it, <laughs> it, it's really funny and it, it reminds me a lot of some of the videos and tone in the Spider Man films that are the MCU movies, the way that they handled that. Uh, But he, you know, one thing I will note is that Peter Parker or Slash Spider-Man is probably the only actor that I could pick out that was not reprised by their live action actor, in this case, Tom Holland. He's voiced by an actor named Hudson Thames in this episode, but... I think every other actor that played the various characters in this episode does come back, including some really big names like Jon Favreau, Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Paul Bettany as Vision, and Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, which we we talked about the fact that he recorded multiple episodes of What If before he passed away. So clearly this is one of those. Are there more? I don't know, but it's really still nice to continue hearing his version of Black Panther, even though we know he's gone. So yeah, I just think, and Mark, ruffalo of course as bruce banner hulk so this is just because they know those characters and we know them as them they really have been able to carry them over into this animated medium but i have to say the actor that did perform spider-man did a really good job i think uh really yeah he kind of had a little bit of Tom Holland's impression, I, I would say, of Tom Holland, but also just kind of his own Peter Parker flair that he added to it, and it, it worked. I, I didn't miss him per se. I just, I just noticed. I could clearly tell that it wasn't <laughs> Tom. Whereas, like Paul Rudd, like that's Paul Rudd. You can't be anybody else <laughs> with it, the dad he, jokes. For the win, yeah, man. Yeah. he had so, so.
0: many great one-liners. I mean, I think they were probably entire. Yeah, they were like, Paul, once you come back as. As yourself. Well, not as yourself, but come back as your character. As a head. (laughs) As a head. And he's like, really? but you get to do dad jokes. He's like, I can do that. That's cool. And I think it's... Here's what's funny, Adam, is there's that long-running joke that Paul Rudd doesn't age. And I think it's interesting that in a zombie movie where you have characters that look like they've aged because they're zombies, even though they're not dead... Paul Rudd's character, he gets—I uh, forget his name—Scott, uh, oh, Scott, Scott Lang. Yeah. He, of course, he's not aging, and I think it's not because he's been cured by Vision. I think it's just because he's—he doesn't age. It's because it's he's a, Paul Rudd. Yeah, a he good inside
1: joke there. Yeah, like even yeah. <laughs> in a zombie apocalypse, Paul Rudd, his head is still fully intact, and he's youthful yes. and just as beautiful as ever, right. and just as funny. So. He, it reminded me a little bit of like the show Futurama, if you ever watched that show where they had the, yes. they had like you know, ex presidents' heads in, <laughs> in those glass cases. And it, it was very, very humorous. They did a good job of that.
0: That whole orientation and pre planning sequence was so much fun, not only because we got to get that Spider Man flair. I love that he says New York, home of the Mets, the Chrysler building, those ladies from Sex in the City, and now the zombie apocalypse. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. First, you have to not get eaten. He was just so optimistic, which is in one way such a throwaway thing. You know, yeah, Spider-Man's always going to be happy. But at the same time, they use this at the expense of kind of pushing the plot a little bit because he's sort of the one character that's sort of holding the optimism together. And I I guess we should expect that because of who he is as Spider-Man. But later in the episode... He's asked by Hope when she looks at him before she sacrifices herself. She goes, keep smiling. And I thought that's kind of cool. And even near the end where they're traveling to Wakanda, you know, <laughs> Scott tries to get uh, T'Challa and Spider-Man to, to high five because, of course, he can't. You know, he's floating with the cape. <laughs> they are really sort of you know, mourning the loss of their friends. And that, that was reiterated several times specifically for Peter that he doesn't want to lose more people. And that, yeah. of course, harkens back to losing Ben, losing May. At this point, he hasn't lost May yet. But at the, uh, sorry, spoiler alert, my bad. Uh, <laughs> but then we, but what we get is that great kind of lightheartedness that he brings to the table, bringing in Happy. Uh, I was so glad that John Favreau reprised his role as Happy in this. I thought that was oh, fantastic. Yeah. We got Winter Soldier and then Sharon Carter. And then we get this guy named Kurt. Now, listen, I, I don't know who Kurt is. I think I may have missed something in my MCU watch <laughs> over the course no. of several years. Did I miss something? Is this no, no, you didn't.
1: I had to like dig deep in my brain and be like, "Who is Kurt?" and and then it dawned on me. Now, why they? I'm going to tell you who he is, but why they picked this guy? And they did get the actor back. I uh, I will say that also. He was Scott Lang's roommate and friend in Ant Man, who also assisted Scott and Hank. And hope in their heist in that film he was the, okay you know, like a russian accent you know it's like such a minor unimportant character so why they chose for him to come back i'm not sure <laughs> but it's like they're kind of digging deep here into the mcu to find characters and actors to bring back so i was in the same boat i'm like i don't even have any clue who kurt is and then it really because i'm not seeing the actor on screen it didn't it didn't dawn on me right away but it eventually came back to me so yeah he was the only one of all all of them that i was like who is that but everyone else was pretty recognizable you know even you know you had sharon carter you had uh, happy and bucky and yeah you you had a a lot, of, a lot of great characters coming back.
0: I, I think if there's any reason for Kurt to be a part of this, first of all, I thought for a minute, and by a minute I mean like four seconds, that he was Kurt Wagner of <laughs> X-Men fame, that he was Nightcrawler, but no, he's German, and he's also yeah. blue and a mutant. So <laughs> I was like, that can't be right. I think the highlight of his role in this entire episode, it would have to be the dialogue between... Him and Spider-Man and Okoye, if I'm pronouncing her name right, (laughs) inside uh, Grand Central Station. She is basically ready to roll and start fighting, and Spider-Man in his rational state says uh splitting up do you guys just not have horror movies in wakanda and she goes we don't need them we have american reality shows and in his nice (laughs) russian accent goes boom goes the dynamite that was solid burn on all of us (laughs) (laughs) absolutely it was (laughs) so yeah i mean if if it was that if that was the only reason he existed in this episode then it was worth it for me so I'm, i'm glad that you clarified who he was and so I'm not as confused as to why he was included in this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, and right at that moment that you just described, there's also this funny little moment where Happy like raises his arm and like cocks the Iron Man gauntlet in his arm, like like he's ready <laughs> to go to battle. <laughs> <It's> just, <Yeah. laughs> they really they had a lot of fun, I, I feel like with Happy and John Favreau did as well with, with this character as so in the fun. next scene when Happy's going into battle. He's just saying the word blam. <laughs>
0: as he's repeatedly, firing the weapon
1: yeah as repeatedly <laughs> and i think uh sharon carr is just like are you saying blam <laughs>
0: and this is a great kind of um exercise in story beats like when to when to do stuff and when to sort of pause is he does that and he's being pulled away by i believe it's hawkeye's something somebody's pulling him away i don't think it's Hawkeye. i think he got
1: i think he got shot it might have been Hawkeye. he got shot through the shoulder with i think an arrow with a like a harpoon arrow yeah Yeah. Yeah, exactly and then got kind of dragged away but as he's being dragged like into a dark corridor he's still firing saying blam blam (laughs)
0: yeah and then there's like this pause and then there's
1: (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) and then the next thing we see is course he's been zombified if whatever it is i guess he's been bitten because i think that's what what's explained in the orientation video the zombie virus is passed through saliva so the less skin you're showing the less there is to bite
1: but then he does come he comes back as you said as a zombie and starts attacking sharon carter and and i like that when she kind of turns his hand around and basically blows his face off just says very matter-of-factly
0: blam (laughs) Blam. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking
1: of, speaking of deaths,
0: his was not depicted on screen. It was just, you know, kind of an explosion off screen. Yeah. 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 I, I really found some of these kills to be quite amazing and gory at the same time. And I think, I would say in air quotes my favorite would have to be caps death mm. at the hands of winter soldier when winter soldier just throws the uh throws the uh the shield right through his pelvic area yeah. and uh we see the the next camera cut is from the back and we see that the shield is stuck in between the door but has clearly gone through Captain America and that scene along with I believe Falcon's death both yeah. were at the hands of Winter Soldier, and I don't know if there's any remorse. Like, that, that's kind of a weird thing that I felt in this episode was that, you know, we have these friends of these mm-hmm. characters that are being killed either by them or by others. And I didn't see, apart from Peter Parker, I didn't see a lot of remorse from some of these guys.
1: Yeah, and maybe it's because they are essentially dead. Like, there's no real coming back. If you look at Cap's face... There's no coming back. with Even with a cure, I don't think he's coming back from that. I don't think any of these people are. They're missing limbs. They're, their faces are falling off. Yes, they're still moving around, but they're not ever going to return to the people that they once loved. But it's possible Cap's still alive because he only got chopped in half at the waist or the, the middle of his body. He does fall off the train at the back. And... You know, his upper torso and head could still be alive. Hey, if, if, if Scott Lang's head is alive <laughs> and he's not even a zombie, <laughs> Cap could still be alive just like sitting on a train track somewhere. So maybe they true. true. go back and find him.
0: <laughs> if you're frozen in time for 50 years and that doesn't age you, then maybe you have Scott Lang slash Paul Rudd's <laughs> great ability to not age. So maybe that means you don't
1: die. I mean, usually it's got to be a, a headshot in most zombie films to kill a zombie right so it's possible yeah. so if there's ever a sequel to what if zombies it might include caps torso and so a. that's an
0: interesting thing that you said that that's something that i have felt a couple of times as i'm watching these episodes and i think it's this i think it's a testament to how good the stories are mm-hmm. is that i want to see more from this universe at based off of this what if story right. whether it's This particular episode, which obviously sort of hints at Infinity War and Endgame are probably still going to happen. But without Earth's Mightiest Heroes, what is that going to look like? By the way, I think this is the second time that we've lost Earth's Mightiest Heroes (laughs) to something. So one to assassinations and then another to a deadly disease. So they really just don't have a good track record in the What If universe. But I have asked myself if the creators are sort of prone to want to do that, or if they have sort of a bug to continue, like, all right, let's take the zombies part two, let's extend the story, because some of these do lend themselves to what what's going on next. At the end of the day, I feel like it's really more about telling good stories, and then just using what we already know as a way to sort of say, okay, we can tell our own story after this. But it does make me stop and pause and think, hmm, that does give us some good source material to keep going with.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I think they almost all sort of end with a bit of an open, not necessarily a cliffhanger, but like a, a question mark saying, and this is what if question mark. So it makes sense that the question continues, right? Like what would happen next after this? And so I think that any good story like this will make you want to know where would this universe continue to go past what we're being shown. We're being shown, in most cases, the instant where the universe diverged into a new universe. In this case, it was that moment that we saw at the very beginning of the episode. But we don't necessarily see all the events after the fact. We just see the sort of initial events. Yeah, it it is interesting to wonder, you know, where would everything go beyond what we're seeing? And perhaps that will happen. I mean, we are... Eventually, going to get another season of this series, and maybe that's uh, a way they're going to explore and continue. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Time will tell.
0: So the crew gets to where they need to go. They were on their way to, I think, Camp Lehigh is what they were trying to trying to get to along the way. Of course, we lost some of our favorites. This is where Hope eventually, she sacrifices herself. She picks up the rest of the, I guess i call it the, the new Avengers or the rest of the Avengers, the surviving Avengers, and puts them on the ground with the intent to get in. And this, this is where the story got interesting. They're, they're sitting there and they're like, the zombies aren't moving. They're not coming close. They're not even trying to climb the fence. They don't have to climb the fence. Come to find out, it's the Mind Stone. A vision that keeps them away, which I thought this is where the second part of where this whole idea makes sense in the MCU. What a clever way to use a component or an artifact from the Marvel Cinematic Universe to help integrate this new idea that feels believable. I thought that was a really, really great idea.
1: I agree. Yeah. And a character that you almost would at least expect to see vision. I don't know why, but I was not expecting the vision to appear in this episode at all. It just didn't even cross my mind. So it was a nice surprise. And again, to hear Paul Bettany return as well. It was interesting because again, at first we're like, oh, a, a friend. But clearly there was something else going on that i also thought was really, really good. And it, it ties in great with everything else that's going on in the MCU, including WandaVision, because it really picks up with the fact that Wanda and Vision have this relationship, this love for one another, and how far would one go for the person they loved. In WandaVision, obviously Wanda, if you haven't seen it, kind of goes to extreme lengths to bring Vision back. And in a way, this is the opposite. Vision goes to very extreme lengths to keep Wanda alive in a zombified state. So again, they just, like you said, they're finding really interesting ways to tie this all back to the MCU that we know and love and not telling all new stories, but really building upon the stories and the characters and the actors that perform them that we've come to love. So they really did a good job here. And again, the introduction of Scott Lang was a lot of fun, added some humor. We got a version of (laughs) Black Panther. He was, I believe, missing one of his legs, which was fed to Wanda. So it's pretty gruesome (laughs) what happened here. Although we didn't see this, it's it's implied. But yeah, it got a little intense.
0: It did. But not before we get a couple of great kind of lines going into it. I think one of my favorites is when Banner, he says,
1: A vision. You're a vision. You have no idea how good it is to see a familiar and not one of those gross half-eaten faces
0: being surprised this is when we get the discovery about the mindstone um visions not being eaten by the zombies he says
1: one of the benefits of being an android i'm not on
0: the menu i thought that was great <laughs> yeah. there's also this whole kind of physical comedy bit where is it it might be kurt that accidentally jump scares bruce and then peter jump scares kurt like they're all trying to going back and forth yeah. And uh, and they acknowledge, I think Peter says something like, oh, yeah, sorry, I jump scared you. And then he gets, oh, he gets jump scared by vision. oh, yeah. no, oh no. I totally just jump scared you. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. It's just Spider Boy. Come on. Oh, God. Oh, right. I thought that was kind of, that was really funny. I also think the best dad joke in the entire episode <laughs> by Scott Lang is when Kurt is getting eaten by wanda when she is let loose and he goes whoa watch out she's a man eater there it is i'm doing it again (laughs) like never without some kind of like lightheartedness like i don't think any of this bothers him and it may be because he's only a head so he doesn't need to really bother with anything head behind glass and so he's just a happy camper the rest of the way
1: (laughs) does he get hungry i mean he has no body you know like it this (laughs) raises a lot of questions but yeah anyway yeah, everything out of his mouth is basically a joke or a pun. With Paul Rudd's delivery, it just kind of works, and you just you chuckle and laugh, and it just works. He's been through a lot, so we accept him uh, as he is. <laughs> he's no longer right. a superhero, clearly. He can't be Ant-Man. <laughs> he's got no, he's just a head. Although he it's does okay. kind of acquire Doctor Strange's... <laughs> his cloak or cape, <laughs> <his> cape. <laughs> sort of it kind of carries <laughs> him around. Like when vision <laughs> th- decides to uh, help them escape from the compound and kind of blasts a hole out, they're all kind of, you know, flying out the Cape kind of grabs Scott's glass uh, enclosure and swoops him up and they fly out. And he, I don't know if you heard this. He kind of yells out, <laughs> <Wingardium Leosa. laughs> and yeah. was, which is like to levitate, which is a, sp- yeah, spell to levitate things like only he would say that as he's flying across the screen
0: it's a different property entirely oh a different totally studio yeah. i mean it's like wow can yeah, you get a, away with
1: that that's a warner brothers <laughs> franchise that is not disney yeah i don't know uh, that's a very good question
0: Ooh, I don't know if they got in trouble for that one, but it was great. It was perfect. He also reminds me a little bit of Mysterio because Mysterio with the oh, cloak yeah. and the the dome thing. The I mean dome. obviously I don't think that was what they were going for, but that's kinda how it felt. So uh yeah, yeah, yeah. very cool stuff. And then I think the one part of this whole sequence that I was a little bit sort of not confused on, but felt a little bit cheated is that the way in which Vision sort of, it seemed like he quickly turned and said, you know what? You're right. I need to fix this. Right. I don't feel like we stayed in that moment long enough. And part of it is because of the fact that we know about his relationship with Wanda. Like he has spent so much time trying to preserve this relationship that it takes Bruce, Saying some magic words for him to say, you know what, you're right. And then he blasts them out of there. I didn't mind it. I just felt like it was a little bit, a little rushed, a little bit shortened. Yeah. But it, yeah, a little rushed. But I think it was made up for when he takes the mind stone off and kills himself. Right. You know, say what you will. Was that self sacrifice? Was that, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to kill myself. Was that a little bit, I don't know. I wanted a little bit more from vision, killing himself from Wanda's power or something. But I think by killing himself, that way it decharged her or something i don't really know how i felt about that
1: yeah i mean i agree that it felt like a quick turn but maybe just from a android point of view like he was grappling with this kind of emotional response of like he loves wanda wants to keep her alive but then his logic kind of kicked back in very suddenly from a scientist bruce banner talking to him and he's like you're right what am i doing you know basically and has to Uh, make amends if you will and he decides that the only thing he can do is (laughs) self-terminate if you will and remove the stone and hope that the survivors can get out of there alive it really does ultimately take the sacrifices of two more it takes winter soldier to essentially sacrifice himself as well as bruce turning into the hulk finally and going after wanda and having what started out to be like an epic battle but we only see like three seconds of it and i really would have enjoyed seeing (laughs) that whole fight because clearly uh hulk you know there's a great shot where hulk gets bitten or i should say bruce banner gets bitten but his arm sort of momentarily turns into a hulk arm protecting his skin from breaking and being bitten and so he he's essentially invulnerable he can't turn because he can't die yeah, he can't he die, can't die like he and does. he can't yeah, <laughs> and he can't turn into a zombie. So his fight with Wanda would be an interesting thing. We're led to believe that he stayed back and sacrificed himself to allow the rest of the team to escape with the Mind Stone, but he might still be alive as well. Again, if we ever see right. a, a continuation of this universe, there's a very good possibility.
0: I agree. I think the fact that he can't be killed or can't be turned creates that really great opportunity if there was a sequel to this to see that showdown maybe even see it as a previously on what if we see the perspective from him going after wanda so we don't know if i guess we're assuming that he and wanda either killed each other or that they're still in an epic battle even as we record <laughs> like this I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but the other thing that i thought was kind of cool was seeing hope in her giant ant man, ant person wasp, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. And they get away from her and there's this great little beat where they're, they're getting away. And then you see her in the distance and then you see this like thing flying towards them. And it's like, a, Oh yeah. An, an undead, like a zombie. Almost like she's throwing a fly at him.
1: Yeah. She chucks a, <laughs> one of the zombies at them. And I, frankly, I, that's one of those moments like in a movie where you think they've made it out, but then they haven't something is coming at them and it like i was thinking it's gonna get sucked into the engine and cause the plane to crash or or something or maybe there's other zombies hanging on to the tail of the plane that got on while she was holding it i thought there was going to be more of a fight in the plane or on the plane as they traveled to wakanda but it, yeah. it, it was still really cool to see how she's kind of grabbed onto the plane and they had to uh kind of break free from her grasp
0: and then the episode really finishes up with that plane ride. They're 20 minutes out from Wakanda and we get this story wrapping up where as they're heading to Wakanda, my guess is that Thanos is outside the shield. He's a zombie. He is essentially waiting for them with the mind stone to grab the mind stone so that he can put it into the gauntlet. And then of course do the snap. Would that be a correct assumption?
1: I thought Thanos was inside Wakanda's dome protect I thought oh, okay. all the zombies were like banging like to get out like or to that's how I took it I could be wrong I thought he was already inside and had essentially converted every or everybody has been converted and yes he had the gauntlet minus the re- only remaining stone being the one gotcha. that-, that Peter Parker has and clearly yeah. They're heading for a confrontation where if Thanos can acquire that final stone, he'll be able to snap his fingers and kill half the universe and maybe he'll kill all the zombies in the process. I don't know. But
0: (laughs) if the zombies were like... Exactly half the universe were zombies. (laughs) That would be perfect, right? Right. That would be efficient, as he says in one of the other earlier episodes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't entirely clear. And again, maybe that was intentional. Maybe they wanted us to sort of wonder, like, what's going to happen next, or what is happening. But again, this is where I think this all transpires because at the end of Avengers Infinity War of course they have that epic showdown outside of Wakanda right where the heroes show up and they all join forces and so this whole episode essentially takes place during the events of the first Avengers Infinity War film you know the opening is yeah is essentially Bruce's transportation to Earth and then by the end we're at Wakanda at the same time that Thanos would have arrived but instead somehow he got <laughs> turned upon his arrival and so i'm wondering if perhaps in this universe wakanda was not the safe haven that they suggested it was that in fact somehow the zombies infiltrated converted everybody and so as soon as he arrived he was somehow bitten as well somehow he was not himself (laughs) in that scene Right.
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of a double whammy when you have yeah. Thanos as a zombie and also as a maniacal universal overlord or whatever it is that he considers himself. <laughs> now that you've zombified him, I think that just adds to And would he still
1: want? Would he still care about eliminating half the universe in zombies? That's state? true. That's uh, that's true.
0: Maybe he's just looking for a nice little hand decorative or some kind.
1: <laughs> that he just wants to complete his collection.
0: Exactly. He's a completionist. He's like, yeah. don't give me digital gems. I want the real stuff, man. Yeah. No NFT nonsense. Me
1: want all <laughs> stones. I don't know why it sounds like Hulk. None of them talk, right? I mean, we didn't hear any of them talk. None of Mm-mm. the zombified characters. They just you know, growled and grunted. Hey, one yeah. thought I had, I don't know if this is just me but did it seem a little bit like Hope and Peter had a little thing going on here in this episode? A little yeah, infatuation I, I pick, or... I felt like it was kind crush. of like it
0: was more than a brotherly-sisterly relationship. If I could describe it, it was probably like being in love or having a crush on your older brother's girlfriend. That's kind of how I felt okay. watching it. It was innocent. I don't feel like she articulated any kind of romantic feelings. I think she admired Peter for who... how he was able to kind of grieve through this and work through all this stuff
1: well there's a little flirtiness i could say you remember when peter comes through wearing the cape on the train and she's like "Oh, that's a good look for you and she says maybe you'll grow into it you know and that's sort of like oh maybe she's saying maybe you'll you'll get a little older and you know we can get to know each other better
0: (laughs) yeah i don't know that i felt that way i felt like it was just sort of innocent I felt like it was something out of Goonies when Mikey realizes that he kissed Bran's sister, or not right. Bran's sister, Brand's girlfriend. And it's that conversation that she's having with Mikey outside on the beach. At the end of the movie, she goes, you're a great little kid, uh, person. And she basically says that you know he's a good kisser. I think that's kind of how I felt with Hope and Peter.
1: I guess. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he, Peter, may have had a little crush on her, and she may have admired, like you said, admired him, and maybe... Uh, Felt like yeah, if he was just a little older, (laughs) right. It's kind of but nothing would actually (laughs) ever happen. So anyway, it's just something that stood out because again, her last words, as you mentioned earlier, were to Peter as well. Like smile for me, Peter. I think she says that's what's going through her mind at the very end. So that signifies something. Yeah. Anyway, yeah,
0: it it makes me want to watch those you know movies that they're not connected to at all. (laughs) You know, like Ant Man and the Wasp, and then a spider-man you know it's like was there any connection are they just kind of making something up here but i think that's something else that's cool adam is that you have the opportunity to connect characters that wouldn't otherwise be connectable in a new environment so not only just sharing screen time but also being able to potentially build a relationship that you wouldn't be able to otherwise because these movies already exist with them not connected
1: right even if it's just a friendship that didn't exist in the mcu films or shows Having these characters come together that is something that interests me about this show because some of the episodes the titles make me think well, where do they come up with that idea like those characters never interacted at all why did they why are they trying to put these two worlds together and so far they 've hit the ball out of the park every time, regardless of my sort of expectations <laughs> or my thoughts on the concept of the based on the titles so I, I'm very pleasantly surprised so far with how they've uh, managed to to make these work, even though I wouldn't necessarily ever ask these questions <laughs> these what if questions and/ or care about the answers. Or have that debate, you know, like when you're kids and you start, you know, asking, who would beat up who? Like, it's like some of these uh, arguments, they're so ridiculous, but some of them were valid arguments that you would have with your friends, right? Like, who's stronger, right? Those are the kind of what-if stories that young versions of ourselves had and would always debate.
0: Totally. A couple of observations before we close it out, and then I'll, I'll leave it up to you if you had any other ones. Got the obligatory watcher spotting was in yep. the clouds as they were driving driving
1: yeah they were in the train i think they're in the train heading to uh new jersey yeah
0: yeah did you see any other ones i, I didn't find any i know you found a couple uh, a couple no, episodes I ago think
1: that was the only uh yeah we heard him at the end again when they were flying into wakanda but i didn't notice any watcher sightings I mean, sightings yeah watcher apart from him sightings.
0: speaking which is weird as we both agree that it's yeah weird that to see him actually a weird, but yeah i'm,
1: I'm curious if, <laughs> if, if i'm curious if that will happen again or if they also were like yeah that that was a little weird that was a little off let's, like, <laughs> let's maybe, not do that let's not do that what if that
0: <laughs> what if he was a zombie that would have been that, interesting <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right? I also noticed that during the sequence when Hulk makes his triumphant return, the engines to the plane, they get clogged with something, but they shut down, like they're about to turn on, then they shut down. The sound effect used for them shutting down is the exact same sound effect used for the Millennium Falcon's hyperdrive not actually engaging.
1: Yeah, you know like yeah, in... you what, know, I did hear that, and I think it's in Empire Strikes Back when like, Han and Chewie and Leia and 3PO are trying to escape Hoth, and they're heading towards some Star Destroyers, and they try to go into hyperdri- hyperdrive, and they can't, <laughs> and it makes that weird, you know, like, sound. They're getting closer. Oh, yeah? Watch this. Watch what? There might have been another time in empire as well where that happened they were constantly having engine issues and empire strikes facts i think (laughs) Uh, and which is why they of course went into the asteroid field and all that so it all made the the film stronger for it but yeah i think listen marvel and star wars are both owned by disney now so if they want to share their audio effects libraries i'm sure no one's complaining (laughs) (laughs)
0: Nope, not at all.
1: (laughs) In fact, there could be some of the same, very same people working on these properties in the sound editing and mixing departments for all we know. So it's it's not unlikely.
0: Very true. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else that will wrap up this episode of an original series.
1: Yeah, nothing real, nothing else. I think we covered this episode really well. Uh, I am curious to see if they ever pick up this universe thread again and where that might go. I have to say it's probably my, the most entertaining of the episodes we've watched so far, but uh, mm-hmm. they're, they've all been really solid, so it's hard to hard to compare them. But yeah, yeah. next week, uh, or next episode, I should say, we have What If Killmonger Rescued Tony Stark? So I haven't seen this, and this is an, another example of where it seems, from the title, like a stretch. Like, why would Killmonger, who's like a bad guy in black pants, why, why are they trying to put these two characters together so i'm going in with sort of lower expectations because i'm not sure how and when and where they would have interacted based on the mcu they were in two completely different phases of the mcu so again i'm not prejudging it i'm just going in with some skepticism i should say
0: Well, I'm prejudging it because, as I am seeing on IMDb, it is the lowest rated oh, of oh. the What If Season 1 episodes. Granted, I mean, it's still good. It's like, I think, in the sevens, if I'm okay, to read it right quick. But, yeah, it's not, it's not the highest, obviously. I think it sits at – oh, yeah, it sits at a – I'm sorry, it's not – it's not the lowest; it's the second lowest. Okay, the lowest is what is the one after this. So hopefully, we won't start going on a downward trend right. with our episodes. But yeah, it is a it is a six point seven followed by a six point four. But then mm. the last two episodes crank it up at nine point zero and eight point four. Again, not putting any stock in reviews and ratings, but just sort of giving me an idea. As I mentioned on a previous episode, that if I liked a story and I liked another story more than that, if they line up with the reviews, then that gives me an idea of. If I'm probably going to like it as we've probably both discovered, we're loving all these episodes. So if this one is a, a dud, it'll be a milk dud as we both like. So that <laughs> <Yeah>. be <good. laughs>
1: Well, yeah, it's like I said, I, I just feel like of all the characters that could have rescued Tony Stark, and I'm assuming this is in the first film in Iron Man, Killmonger is not the first character <laughs> that would come to mind or that I would suggest if I was coming up with this. There's plenty of other MCU characters that I would, I could imagine being a part of this scenario before Killmonger. So yeah, so we'll see. I, I'm going to go in hoping for the best, but prepared for... Something that may, you know, maybe a little lesser than what we've seen thus far. And that's
0: going to do it for us on this episode of an original series. Thank you all for tuning in and joining our conversation as always. I am Patch, he's Adam, and we are out of here.